That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, happy poo year to you. 2020, the year where you're going to make all the changes in yourself, personally, professionally, psychologically, that you've always planned on. This is going to be the year. Mm-hmm. This is, according to the secularists out there, this is the year of clarity. Ooh. And I am feeling clear because I've been for three days now on the Whole30. So, And that is where I've committed to only eating fiber for 30 days. That's why you looked so gaunt and sad. Mm, no, I'm glowing. That's a transfiguration, <laughs> which is, um, that is actually interesting. That's the last reading for the uh, season of Epiphany. But here we are. And uh, dear listener, it's your... Um, it's your duty to preach in the post-Christmas blues of, uh, of the winter where all the tinsel is down and the Christmas lights have come off, been turned off, to uh, preach the light that still shines in the darkness. But before we go there, how are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jacob. Um, I will say, not only is the tinsel down, my son's uh, Chinese knockoff wireless earbuds uh, lasted about three days, about as long as your New Year's resolutions will last. So <laughs> the left ear no longer works. Uh, so buyer, you buy them at? Like a bodega or what? Oh, no. Amazon.com. Buyer beware. Oh, man. Uh, learn from yeah. my mistakes. But no, our Christmas was good. Other than that, we had a great uh, time, just kind of a chill, quiet, down-home Christmas mm-hmm. And then uh, we went to Camp Allen, the Diocese of Texas's camp. Thank you, Bishop Doyle, for the free clergy family retreat post-Christmas. We ate. We had a good time. We walked in the woods. Uh, it was a real, real blast. We got to shoot skeet. That's something that the Episcopal Church in Texas yeah. is allowed to do. And uh, unlike I don't, in the, I don't, even, I don't, I don't even know what skeet is. So, but um, it's, it's not very, scant. It's a very Escalade, rare, so, it's a very rare yeah. bird. Uh, but they, they're all over the place down here. We shoot them. Yeah, Diocese of New York, do they give you any uh, free retreat time with your family? No, they don't. No, just coal. Just coal. And let's get back to work. So uh, yep. uh, it's all about the grind here. So in New York City. But um, anyway, praise God for that. No, I love my <laughs> bishop. He's a good dude. But He's great. We don't do anything. We don't do. We talk a big game about uh, self-care and stuff like that, but there's not, not much provision. I'm going to a retreat hosted by CPG, but that's boring to all of our listeners. So to uh, get my finances in order. So, but anyway. Um, Doing the credo. Good for you. Yeah. Well, no, it's a, it's just a, it's a, just a two day retreat, but it'll be fun. So okay. anyway, um, but not co- as cool as the dice. What the hell are we talking about? Nobody cares. So anyway, <laughs> moving let's on. Get into Christmas the, was let's good. Get into the Church of Epiphany. Yeah. So um, here we are, uh, January third, tenth day yeah, of Christmas, Jan- recording for the nineteenth. And uh, people out there, if you're listening to this, if you've hung on this long, we're going to be talking about uh, Isaiah. We're going to be talking about First Corinthians. Paul's going to get in talking to those super sanctified Corinthian Christians who have no problems, uh, just like the people in your pews. And uh, then we're going to continue with uh, John's gospel. So here we are, Jake, we begin with Isaiah 49. Listen to me, O coastlands, you beach bums, you people on the beach. Is that what this is about? 
Take us away. No. Well, this is actually about kind of the, the servant song, which is a critical part of the prophet Isaiah. But when Isaiah says, listen to me, O coastlands, pay attention, you peoples from far away, uh, what he's speaking about is um, basically to everyone. Uh, this, is, this is the word you need to understand. Um, it is, this is about to be a word for absolutely everyone. And this is a song about the servant. And, um, and there's lots of things you could say about this. But the main thing is, is um, basically, uh, Isaiah right here lays out a very thing that the servant is going to do. Um, basically, the Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. And uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He did a lot of great things, but he's basically got a job to do. And that job is three things. Uh, the first part of the job is, is that he's going to uh, raise up the tribes of Jacob. Two, he's going to restore Israel. And then three, he's going to be given uh, uh, as a light to the nations. And this is a pretty big deal. He's going to be bring salvation to the whole earth. So as you can see, there is type and shadow going on here, but it's all ultimately driving home to Jesus. And so, yeah, the, the, that great Christmas carol, uh, Joy to the World, you know, it has that line, He rules the world. He rules the world, the Lord is come. Let earth mm. receive her king. With, with true... With truth and grace. With truth and grace. And so the so Jesus is king over all the earth. And this is one of the big themes that carries on through Epiphany. And you get it in this passage that um, this servant, this Messiah who's coming, it's too small a thing, it says in verse 6, that he should just rule over Jacob and just restore Israel. Yes, he'll do that, but he's a light for the nations and salvation to the end of the earth. And that beginning thing, coastlands and people far away, that's code word for Gentiles, basically, because the mm-hmm. Jewish folks were typically not beach bums. They didn't, this, the, they, not so much along the sea. Tyre and Sidon, those were the sea cities, and those were, um, again, mostly Gentile folks. And people from far away, obviously, the same thing. So the fact that God is reaching out to all these people, that Jesus is king for all, is a message of grace, because here's the deal. Everybody... Uh, who tries to be king or queen, ruler of their own life, will be disappointed. Uh, And even this early in January, your people have figured that out. Every year, January is like this attempt to restart everything. Planet Fitness, and the biggest ironic thing ever, in Jake, your city of New York, Planet Fitness sponsors New Year's Eve in Times Square, which is, to me, so funny that all these people... Ryan Seacrest and no longer Jenny McCarthy, but some random lady I didn't know, all surrounded by the purple and gold of Planet Fitness and all these people promoting this and all these people signing up for these deals during a turnover new leaf. And it's not going to work. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea that we can be in control of our lives, we all find that out is not really true by about mid-January. 80% yeah. of New Year's resolutions fail by Valentine's Day. So, um, But what you do need is a king who can do the work that you can't do and who can save you, not just Israel, not just Jacob, everybody. And so this message of the king who comes, the redeemer for everybody, um, this is the good word of Isaiah 49. Yeah, and it's important too here in Isaiah, in this part of Isaiah, there's a major pivot in uh, Isaiah's preaching from essentially judgment to restoration. And uh, this would have been a crazy word to the people um, of Israel at the time because they're living in captivity. 
they have been taken at this point in uh, Isaiah's prophecy. And so to hear words of restoration, to hear words of hope in the midst of darkness is a dissettling thing. And it's the same thing that uh, goes on with your parishioners as they hear this message, especially, you know, kind of once again, sitting back in the mire in the darkness of a failed New Year's resolution or, um, you know, just gosh, vacation's over and the tinsel and the glow are down and I'm back in the grind. And to hear a message of redemption, a message of forgiveness and grace is very powerful. But this is one of the key things that you see happening in Isaiah at this point, is there is a pivot from judgment to redemption and restoration. And this is what God in Christ is doing with all of us. Amen. Uh, and uh, then as we turn, we, we're going to skip over Psalm 40. Just want to, We never talk about the psalm. Uh, feel free to preach on that as, if you will. And if you want to talk about U2's Song 40 from the Unforgettable Fire, uh, which is from this text, this would be the Sunday to do it. So we move on to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which is a beautiful, sweet passage. It's the way Paul introduces the letter with all kinds of smooth talk as he always begins his letters with, Hey, you're the best. You're the greatest. Grace and peace to you. What's up? Jesus loves you. And he does the same thing here, which is fantastic, but it's the passage is even more interesting if you know a little bit more about the Corinthians and if you know where he is going, because there is some stuff going on in the Corinthian church. There is a guy who's started a relationship with his stepmom. There are pastor wars like, uh, I follow Jake. No, I follow Aaron. No, I follow Mockingbird. No, I follow Gospel Coalition. No, I'm with the Reform. No, I'm with the Radical Lutherans. No, I'm with... Whatever, the Benedict Option, whichever group, I'm with the progressive Christianity people, wherever you are, um, the church just then as now is really good at arguing. And so there's yeah. there's pastor fights going on, there's sexual morality, there's financial stuff, there's all kinds of things going on. And yet, Paul still begins by saying, you are the church of God in Corinth, you are sanctified in Christ Jesus, you're called to be saints grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And 1 Corinthians actually is a great um, is a great epistle to preach like a sermon series on, especially on like kind of the modern church. If one church, Corinth, looked anything like, like the church in America today, it would have been, um, it would have been Corinth. They, I mean, they were screwed up on matters of sex. They were screwed up on matters of like spiritual gifts and miracles. They were screwed up in matters of prosperity and the prosperity gospel. It was a, it was a, it was a big cluster. And as you pointed out earlier, like cluster Paul of what? A cluster of uh, nuts. <laughs> and anyways, <laughs> so um, don't you eat raisin bran? But anyway, um, uh, the <laughs> the point is, is that as you pointed out just a few minutes ago. Um, I'm about to make you look good, Aaron. Don't Thank you. Laugh. Thank you. Okay, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Please carry on. <laughs> the indicatives are really, really important here um, because it is the indicatives that always define the church. And, and so what he says here, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. Like this is already passed. Um, you know, uh, he goes on to say, um, so that you are not, um, you know, given to you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened mm. among you. And uh, this is the very important thing. And then he goes on, he says, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of Christ. And this is a, this place is totally, totally screwed up. 
But if you notice, Paul still treats it, as you just said, as a church. And it's key here, like spiritual gifts come out of the proclamation of the gospel. Mm. They don't bring about the gospel. They come out of the proclamation of the gospel. And I think that this is a a big thing in our church and where we get always lost, whether it be on the prosperity stuff, whether it be on like the type A uber reformed theology, or whether it be on the social gospel, is that we think that uh, the spiritual gifts will eventually, because all of these churches have their charism, but uh, you know, we think that somehow that will like confirm God's favor in us, as opposed to no, this 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 is the result of what God has done in us as we await for the revealing of the Lord. Yeah, and uh, and who continues to strengthen us. And um, I think that um, I think that that's a key thing here is that the uh, indicatives are important as you address um, the uh, sermon here. Assure your congregation and your listeners of what God has already done in them. And that spiritual gifts are a result of the gospel, not something that confirms it. Yeah, as we say at the end of our liturgy, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your mm. church. Like that has happened. That's a done deal. And it's it's exactly what he says here in verse 8. And we talked um, last week about you know the, how Fleming Rutledge always says, make sure you have God as the subject. God is the one that's doing the object, mm-hmm. doing the work mm-hmm. to the object, doing to, to, to us. God is the one who's acting. And it says here, verse 8, he will strengthen you, as you said, um, so that you may be blameless. It's not you strengthen yourself so that you can be blameless. It's God who does the work. And Mm -hmm. he says in verse 9, God is faithful. So uh, this is God doing the action. This is what sanctification looks like. And Mm -hmm. he is doing it in people who, if you read on in 1 Corinthians, and we'll be in it for a few weeks now as we move through Epiphany. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to the the real juicy tabloid sort of stuff. the incestuous relationship and uh, some of the other uh, crazy sin that's going on. But uh, we're just going to get the pastor wars, the fighting factions among the church. Nevertheless, know that it's a bunch of, to quote Sarah Condon, it's a bunch of jack wagons in Corinth. And yet, even, mm-hmm. even to these people, Paul is saying, uh, God is faithful. He will, he, you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ because of what God does. Um, and so there, there is a great message of hope and grace to people who might feel like they are failures, who feel like they're not measuring up or, or whatever the, the case may be. Um, if you had a father like George V, I don't, there's a documentary on Netflix now, a series about the Windsor family. You know, uh, his son David, who ended up abdicating the throne. Basically, it talks about George V always looking at his kids and pointing out what they didn't do right and never saying anything that they did mm. do right. And so, of course, what does David do is he abdicates the throne. Like, who can live under that pressure? But nevertheless, yeah. um, that's not what God is like. He is he is faithful, and he will make you blameless. He doesn't say he doesn't point out all your flaws and say work harder. He says, "I will strengthen you to the end." That's right, and this brings us to the one who uh, makes us faithful, and that's in John chapter one, verses twenty nine through forty two. And really, this is what the epiphany is all about. This is a continuation from the reading last week, the baptism of Jesus, and um, John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared. He didn't say, you know, here's 12 steps for you to understand this. Um, Here's a way that, you know, you can figure out who the Messiah is. He just declares, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. This is the declaration of the epiphany. 
that the mm. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world has been revealed. And he's been revealed from the coastlands to the people in the far lands. It has been revealed all around the world. Um, this is something, you know, lots of people can talk about God, but we, the world now knows for sure what a God has done, and that is he has come as the great Lamb to take away the sins of the world. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, too, in a day and age when it is kind of popular in some circles to get away from the sacrificial, atoning nature of Christ's work. And I know that this has been taught badly and has left wounds and scars. Um, And so I'm not promoting that sort of uh, atonement theology. But clearly, the fact that Jesus is called the Lamb of God, and then he adds, who takes away the sins of the world, that only means one thing. Lamb of God... Well, it is like a metal band or something, but Lamb of God in to, to John the Baptist and to Jewish hearers and Jewish readers and every one of Jesus' contemporary, Lamb of God meant one thing. It meant sacrifice. This is not this is not some sort of a, a lamb is not some it's not that he didn't say here comes the line of Judah or something like that. Like lambs were for sacrifice. So he is saying from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry what he was here to do was to give himself uh to death for the sins of the world. Um, and, you know, that's again what we see in verse 36, uh, where they see Jesus walking by, look here is the Lamb of God. So, um, the, it's very much has the cross in view here. So, this one who comes uh, and John identifies and then invites, uh, Jesus then invites people into ministry. We meet Andrew and Peter. Even at this early place in John's gospel, we have the cross in view. Yeah, I think, uh, and you know, I think that that is um, one of the things that's so amazing about this passage is is the art, like the the illustration of evangelism here and how it actually works. You know, John declares something. He doesn't he doesn't like couch it in like moralism. He doesn't couch it in behavioral modification. Right here, he just is declaring something, and he continues to declare this and what he actually saw. And uh, this causes the disciples to uh, begin to follow him and uh, check it out. You know, they're intrigued by this. And, um, I, you know, our friend John Zoll, he sent us this amazing, like, 12, uh, 12 uh, steps to a good liturgy. Yeah. and uh, Or 12 things that make a great liturgy. And, you know, he said, you know, Jesus, Jesus was exciting and Jesus was intriguing and, uh, you know, he leapt right into history, and he leaps right off the pages of the Bible. And he should leap right out of your liturgy as well, as you do it properly. And that um, proclamation in and of itself um, uh, really invites people to question yeah, uh, he, to follow. He said, the word was, this is number nine, the word was made flesh and leapt off the page, make the Bible do the same, which my favorite was number eight, liturgy, not lethargy. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's our that's new good. tagline. But yeah, I think, um, you know, it's pretty... The, the other wonderful thing here, too, is John says, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And it's worth pointing out to your people what that... Again, none of this stuff in the Bible is random. The dove is not just some arbitrarily chosen bird. You know, he could have picked a sparrow. He could have picked a flamingo, whatever. A dove has meaning. And the dove, obviously, is calling us back to Noah and that sign mm-hmm. of peace and that that judgment was over. So the fact that the Holy Spirit shows up as a dove... Uh, is is cluing everybody in that this is the end of judgment. Um, 
prophet. That's right. And that, you know, the, that is right. So because he's the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb he of God. This. And of course, and he's coming up out of water as he's being baptized, which is again like, you know, the ark coming up out of the water as it recedes. So all that, all these layers are happening here. Um, and the response, which is wonderful, you see that these disciples then follow Jesus because what everybody really needs, and of course, uh, they say, come and see, and people come to see, what everybody needs is not. Um, somebody to yell at you for being terrible um, and to get your act together. What everybody needs is somebody to take away the burdens, to take away the things they cannot carry, which is exactly why people want to come to Jesus. Um, And uh, yeah, so. I I mean, you know, it's interesting. You know, I've had a couple of, because Christmas is this time when a lot of new people kind of like roam into your church or someone's brought a, you know, a significant other for the first time to Christmas. And, uh, and I had this actually like this fascinating conversation with this guy who came with his sister to church and, uh, she's been coming for a couple of years now, but like, you know, the thing that caught his mind and his attention captivated his heart is the word was not like all the cool things we're doing in our soup kitchen. And I don't want to downplay the soup kitchen. It's great or any of that, but like, man, what captivated this man's heart was the gospel Mm. and the idea that like God would take on flesh and meet him right where he's at. Um, This was, and, and, and it's not like there was this like profound like conversion thing happen. It's just kind of like what we see happening here in John chapter one, Jesus just kept saying, come and see, come and see, come and see. And that's all we do. Come in here, come in here, come in here. And uh, and this word uh, will do its work and um, and make uh, even the newest person who has no idea. Because a couple of times I was using some Christianese and uh, it made me realize that I've got to like think through how I'm articulating. Because he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about right there. What do you mean? <laughs> Lamb of God. Like that yeah. literally came up in our conversation. And, uh, you know, and so I had it. Well, what does that mean? And so but nonetheless, do, Jesus and this gospel, this idea that God becomes flesh and takes away the sins of the world is so intriguing to people when it's really, really articulated. And uh, I'm not convinced that the nuns and the duns of the world are quite done with um, Christianity. Mm. I think they're done with like the social service agencies and, you know, I church's social service agency, but church as procl- authentic gospel proclamation is far from done. Mm far from done. And I was convinced of that this Christmas. And I think that this really, um, what's happening in John 20, John chapter one is alive and well today. Yeah. So when uh, people say, come and see what Jesus is about, please uh, make sure your folks know that what he is about is being the lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the <laughs> yes. world. He's not Amen. the one that says, come and do really hard things and feel even more guilty than you already do. Um, he, his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And he comes to proclaim uh, freedom to captives, not not more captivity and bondage. So make sure people walk away knowing that. Um, and uh, that's all I have to say about the uh, the readings for the second Sunday after Absolutely. Epiphany. Anything else, Jake, you want to rebuke or correct from what I've said? Mm. <laughs> no, not this time. All right. Phew, so, um, made but, it. Um, guys, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, going to be a great year, 2020. The highs, the lows. Um, but never forget, in all of it, Jesus Christ is your Savior. And so, and, uh, and we'll leave you with that. God and, bless you. Oh, wait, one more thing. Folks, we do have an Instagram. We occasionally uh, yeah. post. Uh, if you go to SOSMBird, 
You can find us there and uh, follow us and uh, do all the social media things. We're also on the Twitter um, if that's if you're an angry person and that's where you live online. So uh, follow <laughs> us in those places and and we'd love to connect with you there. Uh, have a nice life. God bless you all. Peace. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, We would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.